0: Welcome to the Life in Focus podcast with your host Stephen Atkins sanya a defence barrister with 29 years experience in the field of criminal law. In these podcasts, my guests and I will discuss those issues that affect many of our young people in the community. We seek to educate, inform and inspire. Remember, it's not too late to be the person you were called to be. Welcome to Life in Focus with me, your host, Stephen Akinsanya. In a week uh, that has seen more issues with stop and search by the police involving members of the black community and the recent report or data that was released uh, commented on by the Children's Commissioner, uh, 650 children in a two-year period who were strip-searched often without an appropriate adult, majority of them uh, without any further uh, charge or or further action being taken. And when you break the figures down, it's clear to see that between the ages of 10 to 17, between 2018 and 2020, almost three out of five, that's 58 percent, were black as described by officers. For 2018 alone, the figure rose to 75%. In Greater London, 19% of 10 to 17-year-olds are black. And I want to look at this a little more closely. The issue of stop and search is a hot topic. It has been for many years. But it seems recently that there has been revelation about what's really been going on in terms of strip search, intimate searches, Of young people and I want to explore with my guests, professionals, what is the problem? What is this ugly truth about stop and search? How do we combat it? What are the implications, the trauma that is suffered by young people who are searched intimately, often found to have not been carrying anything dangerous or criminal or having done anything wrong? What's wrong with the training? And why is it that the Met will not accept that there is a clear problem here when it comes to stop and search of particular sections of our community, namely the black community? So without further delay, I'd like to introduce my guests for this evening's show. Uh, My first guest is Alison Morgan. She's a consultant solicitor advocate, a specialist in criminal law uh, for many years. And my second guest is Dr. Victor Alisa, former Chief Superintendent in the Met Police. My third guest is Donna Murray Turner, founder and lead practitioner of Another Night of Sisterhood, and the chair of the Safer Neighborhood Board in Croydon. And my final guest is Terence Channer, a consultant solicitor specializing in police misconduct, injury, and healthcare law. All of these guests have been on life in focus before they're all friends of the show uh, and I couldn't think of a better cohort of guests to come on the show to discuss a really important issue. So welcome to you all of you all my guests on a much cooler uh, Wednesday evening in London uh, as we talk about a really important issue following the revelation of this data. Uh, I want to bring it back really if I can to basics Um, for many parents who watch this show, guardians of young people. I'm amazed still of the number of people who don't know their rights. Uh, so I really want to start from first base, uh, and perhaps the lawyers can help me with this. The law regarding stop and search according to the Police and Criminal Evidence Act. Terence, can you just shed some light on what the law is regarding stop and search? I'm a young kid walking down the road and the police decide to stop me.
1: Right, I think we have two key pieces of legislation in respect to stop and search, it's not just the Police and Criminal Evidence Act, although the the codes um, are are obviously very relevant but we also have the, the Misuse of Drugs Act as well, so you've got Section 1 of the Police and Criminal Evidence Act and you've got Section 23 of the Misuse of Drugs Act 1971. The key word on the pinning these bits of legislation is the concept of reasonable grounds or reasonable suspicion. So a police constable is entitled or has the power to stop and search you or I if they have a reasonable suspicion pursuant to Section 1 of the Police and Criminal Evidence Act that we are in possession of a prohibited item. and That can be anything prohibited item lawful Um, section 23 of the misuse of drugs act is more specific as it deals with the issue of drug possession as it says on the tin misuse of drugs act so the key word and this is where in practice i have become extremely frustrated at how um, this concept of reasonable grounds or reasonable suspicion is being bended and twisted to fit the conduct it's reasonable it's reasonable reasonable grounds reasonable suspicion prior to obviously the police and criminal evidence act you had the sus laws and suspicion didn't require the caveat that it be reasonable obviously prior to the 1984 police and criminal evidence act you had you still had the misuse of drugs act because that's a 1971 act but the key word is reasonable suspicion And the police are finding ever imaginative ways of meeting the test of reasonable suspicion. Because reasonable suspicion, as you can imagine, it's often difficult to define what a reasonable suspicion is. What an officer considers to be a reasonable suspicion, you or I may consider it's not a a reasonable suspicion. So... Essentially, it's section one, Peace and Common Elevance Act and section 23 of the Misuse of
0: Drugs Act. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Terence, that, that, that summary. Um, Alison, I want to ask you, um, you know, you're operating on the coal phase, as it were, as well. Um, just some of your experiences with clients, people you represent and their knowledge of stop and search and in fact the number of times where stop and search and reasonable reasonable suspicion um, is not met
2: well as we know it's it, nothing has changed in how many years we've been talking about the same topic and it's just getting worse and it's getting more blatant i think because we've got a culture now where people feel they're entitled to say dictate what's racist and what's not and The police are searching indiscriminately, and my clients and many just regular people are fed up of it. And before I came on this show today, as you say, I've been on it before, but today I thought, well, I'm going to take a different approach rather than sort of brushing up on my law that I've been pretending I know for the last 20 years. I thought I'd ask young people what they felt about stop and search. And the overwhelming response was that the police are um, misusing their powers. They do value the police. They do see the benefit of the police, yeah. but they're misusing their powers and they've particularly misusing their powers against young black males, as we've seen in the examples that we, I know we're going to talk about later.
0: Yeah.
2: The, the athlete, the sprinter, the Santos and the young man, Deshaun. Um, you know, outrageous examples. And even as recently, one that did a short stint on social media of a young boy that I made contact with because I'm so appalled. I get, you know, we all get these videos all the time. Of um our young uh people being stopped. And of course we, I know we're gonna talk about Charles Q, which of course was outrageous. We've talked about that for days. But um a young boy that I've recently encountered who's terrified of um taking this any further, he would need um the other gentleman that's on here who does actions against the police, not myself, I'm no used to him. i re- reached out to him so I could pass him on to an actions against the police lawyer. He said, you know, I get stopped all the time, but this time They punched him unconscious. It's on video, it's gone round, um, but nothing's done. And until the culture changes, um, nothing's going to change. And another thing that I just wanted to raise, maybe it's the time to raise it, is um, we talk about the culture of the police and this insidious racism that's been flowing through them from the day they were conceived. But I'm not an advocate of defund the police. You can't have a civilised society without a police force. And as I've got further on in my career, on the one hand, I've become more despondent. But weirdly, on the other hand, I've got more sympathetic to the police because they do have to deal with challenging times that we all have to deal with. But um, one of the things that um, um, concerns me about the police and talking about changing the culture is if we don't change the culture of uh, society, we're never going to change the culture of police. So he asked me what I feel about it. I feel that, you know, it's a wasted conversation talking about changing the police. You know, the police commissioner... Um, the, the one that the, the chairman who was saying that he didn't find anything racist about the stop of um, uh, uh, the young man DeSantos. I mean, of course, he's going to say that because he went to a school that was probably racist. And like you know, Stephen, I've got um, insight into the racism in the education system because I was a teacher prior to being a lawyer. And I always say, if you're going to, for instance, you know, quite rightly, there's a lot of talk about teaching gay rights and transgender rights in school. And it really resonates with the children. I was at a festival recently, which I had no business being there. Like, I felt like I was babysitting. But what I noticed about the young people was how um, it, that inclusive they were with all the very openly gay young men. Whereas years ago, you know, there might have been a bit of trouble with, you know, so-called road boys taking offence to a very flamboyantly dressed gay person standing next to them. So if we did the same sort of education in schools, then all those people that become police officers later on in life might not be so racist
0: and we wouldn't yet again be having a conversation like this. Thanks, Alison. Well, you know, we, we've talked about um, Child Q, which the nation was appalled by. Uh, and I'm I'm still trying to understand how we even got to that position in terms of the officers who attended um, that school and treated the 15-year-old girl in the way that they did. Um, I think I want to ask Donna to start with about when a young person goes through that kind of experience, I think the facts of that case are known to everybody uh, on this show and indeed those watching. When we talk about the trauma experienced by a a young person in in that kind of scenario, can you sort of highlight what that young person would have felt
3: so when I've worked with young people who have not the level of child cue but experience this type of in level of engagement with um, the Metropolitan Police, it's like the, the child changes. The, it, it does. It's like it's soul-destroying. I, I, can't, I can't explain it. It's honestly as if that young person, if you've worked with them before, that had aspiration, that was looking forward to some milestone in their young life, all of that goes if they were a good student um they may act out they don't want to go outside um i've worked with mothers where you know they can't get the children to even go and get milk from the local shop that's how afraid they are to just be outside and when they see police officers it triggers their trauma so i've seen those and experienced that firsthand i've experienced those things and worked with families firsthand where there is that level of trauma and it is quite i think all the phones are playing up this evening um <laughs> and you know it's hard i mean it's hard to watch a parent as a parent myself so to watch another parent watch their child basically disintegrate mm. or just go really slowly and it's it's so overwhelming it's so saddening to see you know young people who have their hopes and dreams and their aspirations and their wants, who come into contact with this institution. And in that, that, just that one instance, it can change how they see and feel about their lives and how they feel, you know, take away their aspiration. Some of them don't feel protected. You know, I, can I just be honest here, people, a hot minute? I don't feel like I can protect my sons. I have two sons and a daughter. I don't, you know, and after what I know, we're going to go on to talk about, um, the young man that got stopped in Croydon, but increasingly, even though I work with the Met, even, increasingly I feel like there is no control. These officers can do anything and get away with it, but yet I'm left with a child who now has lost their focus, lost their confidence, lost their you know it's just it really is heartbreaking um, to see it happen, but we support the parents and the families regardless. Mm.
0: Victor, look, you, you are a high-ranking officer in the Met Police. Um, how do we get to a position where the revelation of the data and these cases that come out, uh, either by admission or people submitting um, footage of uh, stop and searches taking place? How, how have we arrived at this position?
4: Good evening, Stephen. Um, I, I think we've arrived at this position principally through fairly lax leadership um, from the very top in terms of government, through senior leaders in the police, not just in the Met, Um, stop and search is a tactic that 99.9 police officers would say to you, when used properly, it's a valuable tactic to reduce crime, to detect weapons, to detect illegal items that may be used to commit offences, theft and the rest of it when used properly mm. and when you look at the college of policing website and i'll just read something to you because i don't want people to think i'm interpreting it in my own way And i'll read mm. to you some of the information on the police college of policing website it's very clear that if stop and search was carried out appropriately then it can be effective and hopefully we'll go on and look and look at some data over the years mm. of the correlation between the numbers of stop and search and the effectiveness, when, when arrest is used to measure effectiveness. Arrest is not the best measure, but it's the one that we have statistically. And it shows that the larger the number of stop and search, the less effective stop and search is because the lower the arrest rate. But if I, if I go back, how, how have we got here? I think we've got here through lax laser fair leadership for all the way through from government level, um, reducing the checks and balances around the use of stop and search. Mm. I think the level of training is woefully inadequate, both for operational officers and for those senior officers who now have responsibility for stop and search. I think the accountability is dreadful. And I'll ask our lawyers for one thing in a minute, see if they say. So let me just start from basics. The College of Police and the Codes of Practice talks about the primary purpose of stop and search powers. Yeah. Is to enable officers to allay their, allay or confirm suspicion about individuals without resorting, without exercising their power of arrest. Okay, so at that very early stage, it's actually just to check: Does this person have any weapons? Does this person have any instruments with which they might commit a theft, an offence? It's to allay their fears. So that should that should indicate the encounter should be professional, respectful, before you start, okay, not to arrest. It then goes on to say where an officer does have suspicion, then the officer can detain the person to carry out a search. Now, this word detain has taken on a different connotation, and I think there's a leadership and a training issue here. I served in the police service for 35 years. I've spoken to people who served in the police who are now retired. And 99.9% of them will say to you they've never had to handcuff anybody when they were searching them. Now, that is such a common practice now through the interpretation of that word, detain. Now, my interpretation of handcuffing someone is that you've arrested them. And if you haven't arrested them and they're compliant, then you've assaulted them. That's my interpretation. I'm not a lawyer. But that practice has been allowed to increase to the point where it's being abused. I think part of, again, the solution is we outside the police service should be able to hold the police to account and saying is that legal practice? Equally, leaders should be able to justify and actually say, is it appropriate that officers handcuff predominantly young black boys On many occasions when when they're with their young white friends, the white boys don't get handcuffed, the black boys get handcuffed when they're compliant. I think all these things have led to the disproportionate misuse on professional use of stop and search. And that then continues into the really dreadful decision-making around the searches of child Q and other young people in terms of strip searching. I think the process is continued and it's deteriorating and it will continue to deteriorate until we start getting hold of it. And I'd like to say, I'm hoping that Alison, when she said that it's not worth talking to the police anymore, she's only saying that out of frustration. Because if we don't talk to the police, then history has shown that the police as a, as a, as an organization, as an institution has not changed and will not change unless there's external pressure. Changes never come internally from the police service, so we need to keep talking to them, holding them to account, to force
0: them to change. Yeah, well, holding holding them to account and that dialogue is crucial. But uh, and I think you know you've talked about stop and search um, handcuffs, but Terence, I'm 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 talking here also about strip searches. That's what this data revealed: the number of children who were strip searched. And I want to understand. I want my viewers to understand. In what circumstances this should occur? What what, what permits the police to do it? Um, and what should people's response be to being strip searched?
1: Right. Well, first and foremost, we have to look at, at the law and what the code say quite clearly. Mm-hmm. That if the police suspect Let's say, for instance, the police constable suspects um a child of um having anything on their possession that would cause injury or being in possession of drugs, then the officer rank of inspector would need to actually sign that off. You can't simply conduct a strip search, an intimate search, if you've not got the not got the signing off of an inspector, a minimum of rank of an inspector. So that's that's the first thing, um, and once again, it, it always boils down to the same wording, which is a reasonable grounds or reasonable suspicion. So that's that's the key wording, and that key wording, as in, we see in in the child Q case. If you're looking at the child Q case, hmm. we see officers going in on the basis of a suspicion by teachers and mm-hmm. it, see, and from what i'm gathering from the child q case the officers appear to have acquired somehow in their view a reasonable suspicion to conduct this intimate search and the, the problem that we have it always comes back to reasonable suspicion and why officers Feel. and in my view, it's not a reasonable suspicion. A lot of the time, and a lot of time, I, I see cases mm. of of stop and search. It's a hunch. There's a massive difference between a hunch and a reasonable suspicion. So, for instance, a hunch um, could be, well, as in in this case, we're talking about disproportionate stop and search and disproportionate stop searches of black children. Mm. It's a racist hunch, yeah. and that. Problem. A lot of the time, it's not a reasonable suspicion; it yeah. is a racist hunch. Yeah. And we've talked about adultification of young people and black young people. Black youngsters, teenagers, young children, and teenage young ch- teenagers are viewed to the view through the prism of adults. Yeah. Um, we have a disproportionate use of stop and search for black people in general. We have a disproportionate use of force with black, particularly black young men in general. And the figures for children, as much as they are an absolute disgrace, I am in no way surprised by what I'm seeing um, in terms of young black children, because I believe that the police powers are being used in a racist way it's plain and simple um, and how you how you stop predominantly white and it's predominantly white male officers from being racist i mean i was thinking the other day that some of these officers w- would have been at secondary school and would have viewed young black men in a certain way i.e. aggressive criminals, that trope. And what they've done is they've taken that racist trope, that racist idea that not just black young men, but black children hmm. um, have, a, have a criminal proclivity is the problem. Yeah. And um, how do you stamp out this type of racism? And it, I don't know whether it's, Greater testing at the at the um, recruitment stage, the recruitment of more black and brown officers um, but certainly something has to change because i i don 't think we've seen a real improvement in policing in terms of the disproportionate numbers i can 't remember if any of you can remember a time when that you were happy with the numbers i don 't think it 's a case of well what 's happened. I think it's a case of this is probably, it's just been more highlighted and covered more. We've got, we had what's happened to George Floyd in 2020, the death of George Floyd, and it's becoming more and more, um, in the news. And it, it in my view, I don't think it's a case of, whoa, what's happened? Yeah. Because I don't think, it, you look, look at the trajectory from SOS all the way to, to Child Q. I don't think it's a case of, well, what's happening? I think we've always had, we've always battled with racist policing in this country, and we, we, we'd hoped that the 1984 Police and Criminal Evidence Act would have protected everyone, and not just white people, but everybody. And that is not the case because they continue to play gymnastics with the term "reasonable suspicion." Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks, Terence. Look, I want to ask all of you. I mean, Terence makes a really interesting point, and I want to explore it a little further based on the statistics, the data, um, the figures, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I want to hear from each of you whether racial bias and stereotyping is a major factor in stop and search decisions by police officers. Of who who, who it wants is. to pick that up?
2: Of course it is. I mean, I adopt everything. I can't see, I adopt everything that Terence said, okay, I agree with everything he said, but I'm not going off on a tangent here when I say, he, he, he hits the nail on the head, how do we change it because it's been going on since us? Now me looking at, looking at it from a point of view as somebody who works in the criminal justice system, I'm, I'm, I'm picking them up after the search, you know, it's successful for the police, but unsuccessful for the client, yeah, so I'm picking them up when it's often too late. But if, if you can't change, it's like everyone says there's there's memes that go around that says children are not born racist. So if you take a child, if you take a white child and you grow it up in an African household, which has happened numerous times, we all know, that child is not hopefully not going to be racist. Right. So if you do not change the culture, how can you expect to take from a pool of available Young white men who want to be police officers who are not going to be racist because if they're growing up in racist households where their parents are reading the Daily Mail and the Sun and believing all this nonsense that we were fed for years about, you know, for instance, Brexit, I'm not going there, but for instance, that, and then they're going to school where their teachers have been brought up in the same sorts of households because whether or not people want to be in hysteria about uh, this country being invaded, is still predominantly a white country. I think the last statistic that I saw is still 78% white country so the most of the police are going to come from that pool and if that pool is being educated and raised in a cesspit of racism then they, you can you can that's why I say you know the officers right like to say that I, I sound frustrated I'm frustrated because you can have as many training sessions as you want and diversity most of them roll their eyes when when we're not looking if we're in the room with them right not not everybody I'm not tarring everyone with the same brush but there's a certain type of psyche that's attracted to different professions And there's a certain type of psyche that's attracted to the police force. And unfortunately, they're coming from families and schools and areas where there's no black people. They don't have any black friends. They don't understand us. And they are fed on a diet of the negative stereotypes of us. So when they become police officers, is there any wonder that they do this to us and treat us like this? Because we currently, as far as I'm concerned, we're being treated like animals. Our children are being treated like animals, as Terence says. They've been um, adulti- adultified. um Our women are being, um, and myself, all black women, are being demonised. You know, I met a, a lawyer in court the other day, and we were talking about how we have to whisper when we're talking when we're going to get into a hostile conversation. Because the second we're firm and stern and correct, we're then told why are you being so aggressive and why are you shouting? Well, you know. You know, I'm a big girl and I'm a lawyer. I talk like this. It's not being aggressive. You think I'm going to jeopardise my legal career for you by giving you a slap because you happen to disagree with me? It's nonsense. And the police officers are coming from this pool of nonsense. So have your meetings and your committees and your reports and your 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 statistics. Do all of that. Do it again and again and keep wasting money and get really like your David Lammies. And your, 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 your sequels and all of that lot will me out, will you out, will us all that like to talk about it again and again until you change the culture of the society to view black people as equal and to be treated with respect. How are you going to change its police force? Because I tell you what, you think it's bad now. I'm working on the front line. I'm a sister advocate, so I do police stations and Crown Court. So I'm doing it all. And I've noticed the shift in, in the culture for the worst because of the type of people that are joining the police force. Now I'm gonna be careful what I say here, right? But I am being faced more and more with people in the police force who come from countries where they do not like black people, where it is indeed a dream to live in the UK. And those people are joining our police force in droves and good luck to them. But you think it's bad here now? You see the problem they have in America? with all those officers that have been put on trial and stopped and filmed and whatever, whatever, and getting away with it or whatever, look at their surnames, or we're getting more of that here. So we think it's bad now with English people, okay? You, you don't know what's coming, it's, we're, we're, we're heading for, uh, Terence is gonna be very busy, we're gonna be busy, people are jumping shipping legal aid now, stay in it, because there's gonna be more. You have gotta change the culture.
0: Wow, well, that's, that's, a, that's a disheartening revelation, Alison. Um,
2: I'm, I'm so sorry, but yeah, yeah. that's where I am. Um, and you know you know me, Stephen. Yeah. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a sensationist. I delete probably 95% of, come and, Alison, help with this course. But that's where I am. I'm not going to give up. I'll always fight for yeah. my people. I'll always do it. But, yeah. you know, maybe it's now I bow out of this this broadcast because that's my view.
0: No, you stay put. We don't want you going anywhere. Um. But Donald, I saw you applauding some of the comments by Alison. I'd be interested to know why that is. And before you do answer, I look, I want my viewers to know this is not a witch hunt. This this show, Life in Focus, this platform, is about having real life conversations, real life discussions about the issues that affect a community, um, the black community predominantly, but we we seek to inform, educate, and inspire. And all we're really asking for is people to recognise the issues um, that prevail and find solutions to them. That's what we're all about. We're not looking. We're not here to start pointing the finger or, or, or being some black militant group. Why not? Why not? Well, why you not? say you, you say why, why not? not? You say why not, I'm Alison? i so
2: done with it. Why not? Yeah. yeah.
0: We, we, well, why
2: not? Why not? Because yeah. the tribes in Africa that weren't enslaved were the ones that
0: fought yeah 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 well I'm, I'm, all, I'm...
2: A film that's coming out soon and I tell you you know I've really had my eyes open and all the ones that can say look at me I'm red skin yeah I'm a victim of slavery right mm. my family are all light skinned from Jamaica but the ones that fought back and weren't talking and marching and being nice yeah they're the ones that weren't enslaved mm. it's, it's 2022 mm. and we're still doing this, mm. really. Mm. I've got boxes in my house, I've got builders in here, I should be packing up my kitchen, Mm. not talking about this again, I mean I happen to but, Mm. I'm sorry
0: That's alright, no look I'm all about people being real Um, (laughs) Donna come in Donna tell me what you're thinking
3: I just want to say, and I know that your audience is slightly posher than mine but there's two things I have to say one Alison, and and Definitely, her comments were burning a fire. You know, I understand that people might think that we are being... uh, But this is the truth. And as somebody who is... Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you loud and clear.
3: Being somebody like myself who works in the community. So I would probably refer to Terrence, to Alison. I don't think sometimes uh, until I started doing this work, I didn't realise how bad it is. Um, I've had... A young boy of ten, six foot three, because his father is six foot seven. He's year five ten as well, not year six, year five. Six mm. police officers from the violent crime task force. They don't actually taser him, but what we show on records is that the taser was pulled. So, so, so potentially he could have been a ten-year-old that was tasered. Um And when I pushed back, representing the, mo- the mother, even though the mother had put in a complaint via the IOPC well, the criminal age of responsibility is 10, Donna, so we don't actually have to do anything with this. My my officers, do you remember what, what uh, Terence said about the, the gymnastics over that mm. phrase? You know, they assumed whatever they assumed together, but five grown men. over, mm. You can tell in his face he's a baby. So, so for, for me, you know, Alison, I am one of those people that they eye roll behind the back. Can you hear me? Am I there?
0: You're dropping in and out.
3: I'm, I'm, am I with you?
0: Yeah. I, boxes. I, th- I think she's having some connection oh. issues, but just to pick that up, Terrence. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, Donna, are you there?
3: Really bad, isn't
0: it? Yeah, Terence, let's pick that up. Um...
1: Sure, sure. I'm gonna. Um, I think Donna maybe needs, she needs to pay her internet bill.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, it's you know, a, a very
2: police officer-y thing to say, you know.
1: She <laughs> might live it's in a mountain in the countryside <laughs> and have poor internet connection. Uh, no, she knows, she knows, she knows. It's it's it's. You know, sometimes. But um, I, I Alison's made some really interesting comments. In fact, and yeah. because I was thinking. The, the, the word psychometric um, the phrase psychr- psychometric testing came to mind And
2: sorry uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know what that means what does that mean
1: okay well, we'll, well my I, I don't know a lot about it but my understanding from psychometric testing and I think Victor probably knows a little bit about this is, is some employers they use methods to weed out bad apples um, mm. and they look at psycho so the psychometric test it's a bit like a long jump whereby you, you say well you need to be able to jump to qualify you need to be able to jump seven meters to be able to get to the qualifying round so the psychometric test is a bit a bit like that it, 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 so do correct me if you any of you know more or better than me and so the the psychometric test would would test things such as as racism your propensity or proclivity towards racism and bias And it's more prevention than cure because you've got what we call unconscious bias training, which is a dirty word for a lot of people. Whereas micrometric testing, my understanding is it's a way to test somebody in terms of their tendency to be racist. And that can be for anyone. So clearly you wouldn't just be testing white people. You'd be testing anybody for bias, whether it be homophobic bias, whether it be um, racial bias, whether it be misogyny, because the Met is in special measures, it's, I think it's still in special measures, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's got it it its, it's dunce cap on, or and it's in the corner. It's in special measures, and when that happened not too long ago, and I read the reasons why, there was a long catalyst of a long catalogue of things, and. I posted a lot about the police and I posted the fact that, unfortunately, we've had to piggy bank on Sarah Everard. So, unfortunately, a white, and, and, and I, I have an immense- Black women have I, I have immense sympathy for what happened, but it seems to have taken white suffering for us to be able to try and squeeze in as well with the racism, so the, where would we be? Where where would we be in terms of having this discourse had it not been for the murder of Sarah Everard? Because as far as I can see, the murder of Sarah, Sarah Everard has opened a little bit of a door for us to squeeze in as well. It's a bit like a nightclub where they don't allow you in unless you've got a, a you know a woman <laughs> on your arm. So the psychometric testing should have or would have should have weeded out someone like Cousins who went on to murder Sarah Everard, should have weeded him out as a misogynist mm. so I'm just wondering whether there is a, a scientific and I want to be, I'm not the host so it's, it's up to Stephen but I, I'm curious as to Victor's um, view on that and whether when Victor joined those many years ago there was any way that they tested him to be able to weed out weed him out for being a bad apple so that's that's what I'm thinking. It, mm. We have to take a scientific approach to this.
2: Yeah, but we just may. We have the test don't mean the others. Remember, we've got to jump through bigger hoops. They might have given him the test you're talking about. And not giving
1: yeah, but what I others. said what I said earlier was you have to <laughs> test everybody. But I mean, Vic, Victor, and, and sorry, I'm not taking over Stephen's job, but I'm just interested in being the police officer. I'm just interested in what? What did they how do they test you?
0: Well, I'm going to ask, I will ask Victor about that. But Victor, what I do want to ask you about immediately is uh, the response um, from Lawrence Taylor, the deputy assistant commissioner who effectively defended uh, the force's record when he was asked to comment on the apparent racial biases. And he said, well, basically, you know, if if you are black, you're six and a half times more likely to be an offender of robbery, six and a half times more likely to be an offender of youth violence, uh, and even more importantly, you're three and a half times more likely to be a victim of knife crime uh, with injury and four and a half times more likely to be killed. So therefore, uh, the stop and search is well justified, even if it does happen on the back of a a racial bias. What do you say about that, Victor?
4: I say that makes my blood boil, Stephen. Stephen. So you know we 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 quote these figures okay so good for Lawrence let me just quote you some figures of um government statistical data mm. on um on stop and search okay for uh, 2020 2021 of the proportion of all the stops and searches carried out 2020 62 63% was on drugs 2021 were on drugs. Offensive weapons, 16% in 2020. In 2021, 12%. Okay, I'll come back to these. Stolen property, 2020, 10%. 2021, 8%. Going to quit, 2020, 7.3%. 2021, 7.1%. Firearms. I'm going to skip two on there. Firearms. Not 0.8% of all the searches were for firearms in 2020. 2021, not 07 So what's the point I'm trying to make in, in response to your questions? Violence on the streets. Young black boys killing other young black boys. Using knives. Using, let me finish. Let me finish. Using knives, using guns, okay? Using offensive weapons. Now, if the police are saying they're carrying out stop and search to protect young black boys to capture young black boys, why are 63 and 69% for drugs? So it's a nonsense when he says that's what stop and search is doing because the data doesn't say that. Where does a leader stand up and says 63% of drugs leads to protecting young black boys from being killed on our streets? It's an absolute nonsense. Yeah? That's what's happening. That's what the data is telling us, not an interpretation of a senior officer. That's the data that they collect, so that's why it makes my blood boil. Yes, I know they are got to protect the institution they've got to say the, the the thing that is least damaging to the institution, but it's so contrary to the data that it actually just makes anyone who's interested in using the yeah. data appear a fool
1: and can I reinforce sorry to to, Go to on, back, can I reinforce what Victor has said because that's a statistic that i've actually Uh, quoted in terms of the, um, the fallacy that stop and search was to protect. And they then tried some mental gymnastics with the drugs. They said, Oh, well, there's a correlation between drugs. They they just, as soon as you, 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 you bamboozle them or you checkmate them with a statistic, they then try and link cannabis with violent crime. Now, the majority I've, I've dealt with, I deal with a lot of stop and searches. And I couldn't tell you the last time any of my stops and searches had anything to do with weapons. It's always, like in Child Q, smell of cannabis. The smell of cannabis is the pretext. And you know what I say? And I've posted about this. It's If you're a police officer, the smell of cannabis is your go-to. It's gold dust. It's your go-to pretext. Because you can't prove that as an officer... I didn't smell cannabis or that I did smell cannabis. You cannot prove it. So, um, I just wanted to, to reinforce what Victor has just said. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks, Terrence. Donna, you know, returning to you, I mean, you've, you've given the example of a, a, a young lad is over six foot three, but is actually in year five or six. And we talk about adultification of young black children. Um, I saw recently in, in Croydon, that a 14 year old black boy was apprehended on the basis that he fitted the description of, of someone who was involved in, in a robbery, a suspect, and he was tackled to the ground um, with an officer kneeling on the back of his legs and another one holding his hands behind his back. I mean, when we're talking about, when we're talking about the relationship with the community, trust in the community, what, what what kind of impact does this event have, especially when they got it wrong? I don't even know that they've said sorry yet.
3: So um, before I answer your question, uh, Stephen,
0: mm.
3: I, I was saying before that to, to Alison or responding to what Alison said, I'm one of the people that trains the police um, in the south area. So that's the BCU of Sutton, Bromley and Croydon. And I'll say this, in part of my delivery, we have a section, it's quite interactive, where I put up a a series of names and then we create stereotypes around what that person might look like and what they do. And the last name is Leroy Hibbert. And Leroy always evokes, uh, Leroy has been as tall as six foot ten uh Leroy has always he's never been short this name and I've you know when i when when I kind of go back over what the police officers have said in the room a lot of it comes from a fear of black people especially from the white male officers a fear of black men predominantly and a real fear of you know of larger black women so I say that to say as a as a you know an equality um, consultant that for me, if I was being asked to diagnose the problems within the MET, I would use that, uh, some of that as, as some of a you know a go to. It is inbuilt. I don't think it's just built in, in offices. I think it's inbuilt in a lot of white people. They have this feeling around oh black men, our size, and, and it trickles down to our children where, you know, at age 11, I was five foot nine. My parents weren't particularly tall, but this is how it is. I have a son who's approaching five foot ten. He's fourteen. This is how it is. And if we look at some of the the articles that talk about, you know, slavery and what it did, we're almost like super beings because we were hyperbred to be the most efficient, quickest, strongest slave there were. And, you know, I don't think they thought the whole thing th- the whole thing through because now we have our children are taller, are bigger, are more developed. But that doesn't, you know, negate the point that Police officers actively are afraid. We had a situation in Croydon, Stephen, I think I've said it with you by a share of colleagues, where we had a white grandfather of a black child. So this boy was of mixed heritage, um, never really lived with his black side of his family. So he's lived with his mother and his grandmother and grandfather. And the grandfather approached the, the borough commander here in Croydon and said, well, I'm just going to get him a violin case. The child had yeah, been stopped yeah, so yeah. much that the grandfather was traumatised and got the boy a violin case so that he would appear like, you know, more white in eyes of the police officers. How sad is that? That, you know, he, people people see it. I mm-hmm. see it in the training that I deliver. I will have a class of, say, 30. And when I get to one of the questions around, um, okay, it's about commonality. So I'll say, well, who went to school inside the M25? It might be me, one of the facilitators. But when I asked the other question, who went to school outside of the M25, everybody's hand goes up. Now, I know there was this thing about if you lived in London for three years, you could apply and that was abandoned because nobody in London wanted to join the police. But I am not joking. And I know colleagues in here will know we've got people from Cheshire, Lincolnshire, any kind of shire policing us in London with, as was said before, without that lived experience, with those stereotypes mm-hmm. thinking and dealing with young people i mean the average age is 23 these are children policing children at 23 what lived experience did you have to control a situation to be able to de-escalate something i think and i have said this at the you know to senior managers within the met at, i was in new scotland yard just last week Doing these officers a disservice, their training is all about legislation. I've, I've done a facilitation day at Peel's College, I've been there, I've sampled some of what they're taught. It's all about legislation. They don't know anything about any of the social kind of history in the areas that they're policing. Some of the oldest, I mean, I they're older, they're like you know, mm-hmm. approaching retirement. Some of the old soaks, they might have an idea, but in general. These uh, newly recruited officers have no idea of the context that they're going into. And I think they're being fed into a, a war zone without any tools. They don't understand. Some of them don't even understand why black children would refuse to engage with them if they say hello. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with that, because if my children, if somebody says hello to you, respond. But they have no they have no understanding of the tensions. They have no understanding of the history. So in terms of stop and search. I agree with everything that Alison said. I think whilst it's a good discussion and I agree with uh, with, with Victor, I will never leave it, but it's starting to it's starting to grind us down now because, you know, the harm that is done to black children, I mean, child Q is one, but look how many others we found out since. All girl children, black girl children. You know, what are we talking about? Are the the behaviours of the police have always been highly sexualised. I mean, and, and you're right, it took the death of a white woman to kind of, Give value to the voices of black and brown women who for decades have been talking about the inappropriate behaviour of police officers. I myself have had an experience where I was told I was going to be arrested because they hadn't bothered to do their work and, and understand that I was actually a victim. So there's, there's so much. But I agree, one thing I agree with Victor, the leadership, I mean, I'm sure Victor, who's, who's probably more articulate than I am, could have used a better word than lax. It has been abandoned There is no leadership. Have you seen some of the comments of of serving police officers in the Met on Twitter? They are not afraid of losing their jobs. The police federation has got everybody by the short and curlies. And those officers that subscribe to the police federation do what they want. And the leadership, unless it's going to be robust and take down the police federation, we're going to be having this situation all the time. I have sat on those internal forums, Victor knows and it's the same it's the same culture
0: Hmm. well on 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 that victor um what advice would you have for mark sir mark rowley when he when he enters his office for the first time based on what don has just said and the culture i mean it it seems to me that it all comes back to the culture i I, i'm concerned about the, the age of an experience of young officers young recruits policing london uh, with no clue about the areas in which they police, no no clue about how to interact with people, and that's why y- you see these occasions where people think they're out of some, almost like out of some movie, the way they behave with the military style clothing that they wear, batons drawn, um, ready for combat. I, I don't <laughs> know what's happening, Victor? Ste- yeah, Stephen, you've you've just
4: mentioned some of those things. I don't think there was a time where. London was policed by Londoners predominantly. So it's not a modern thing. Um, you know, officers, police in London have come from across the home counties, from across the country. So it's not a new thing. The age, proportionately, it's younger. You know, go back 20, 30 years, young people joined the police, but there were a lot more older people with experience where the socialization is not as dramatic. They can control some of those, some of those unacceptable behavior. Now you've got young people leading young people, but without the leadership and without the management, without the reinforcement of the standards, policing is not going to change. It's not all down to experience. You know, the conversation has been around, yeah, there's racism in society. Of course there is. Senior police officers, the acting commissioner, you know, went on to say within, Literally, hours of Commissioner Cresda that leave in to say it's not a single bad apple, we've got racist officers in the force. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. the police are not hiding it. But the thing is, why is the police significantly different from society? Because each and every officer takes the oath, swears an allegiance to the Queen before they have the warrant card. If that was reminded to them, every single time they step out to provide a service to the public, we'll be in a different place. Supervision, leadership, accountability. It is not rocket science. It is nothing new. The police sign up to it. And until they actually do what they say they want to do on the tin, we'll go around in circles. And I'll tell you one thing that doesn't work. Just a few more seconds, Alison. I'll tell you one thing that doesn't work and is never going to work. Mm. making the moral argument with the police. Never, ever going to work. Yeah? And we can have an angst, and we can do all these things, but the moral argument's not going to work with the police. Sorry, Sorry, Alison, go
2: I just want to understand something you just said, because I might have misunderstood you. Are you suggesting that, because the police take an oath to the Queen, the head of a family, that I could spend 24 hours talking about what criminals they are, that if they took that oath, they would be more they would carry out their duties more respectfully and decently towards black people. Because if you were using that family as a moral yardstick for the police to operate by, then again, we need to change the script because the culture of this country is racist.
0: Can I say this? So I do
2: understand you.
0: Well, all right, let's let, Victor, let me let Victor respond. Let, and then. Parents. No, I don't
2: need to be rude. If no, no, like, no, no, like, no, no,
4: no. It might come across rude, but... No, 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 not at all, Arson. Okay. What I'm saying is, I'm not
2: saying society is not racist, without shadow of a doubt. I'm not saying insidiously that... Insidiously racist. Sorry? It's insidiously racist. Okay. I'm, I'm, being I'm, one of them. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm
4: not disputing that. I'm not going to have that argument with it And I'm not going to have an argument that, you know, some of those people who join the police are racist without a shadow what I'm saying is when you join the police when you're given the authority that the warrant card bestows upon you when you swear an allegiance to serve in the office of constable that makes you different from every member of the public and the point I'm trying to make is if you don't live up to that oath yeah I think someone said before if somebody's racist a police officer's racist racist. Nobody has ship them out if you can't train them.
2: You'd have you'd have, you'd, you'd be down sixty percent.
4: What do you know? What would we rather be down sixty percent with those officers who can provide good public service, oh, or, so do want, or do we want? do we want sixty percent and continue having this discussion and never go off? But well, they know
2: that. So the reason it, why they don't do it is because you can't leave the streets unpoliced. They they just got to no. deal with. They're not listen. They're not bothered about the police being racist, right? As long as you're not kicking their heads in. And can I just give an analogy, if I may, Stephen, do you mind? Sorry,
0: Terry. Very, very briefly.
2: Very briefly. It's, it's a very simple analogy. I, mm-hmm. I, when people are saying to me, oh, that's not racist, say, okay, a woman comes out of the train station, she walks past the pub, a man looks at it, goes up, follows her, drags her in the bushes, beats her up over the head, and I'm going to use this term for, on purpose and have sex with her. What is that called against her will? That's called rape, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we've been taught over the years that if that same man sees the same woman walk from the same station, but this time she does accept an offer of a drink. Yeah. But he slips for knoll in it, takes her home and has sex with her. and She doesn't know. We've been taught that that is what? Rape. Yeah. So why are we not doing the same thing with the police? Why are we not doing the same thing? Why are we not changing the culture?
0: well i okay. said i I've said on i don't know how many shows I've done now um with life in focus uh, on the issue of policing reform, and that's the magic word um an internal culture and the change of the culture from the top down um, and, that, and that yeah. to me is how you're going to achieve or come anywhere near achieving yeah. addressing these problems Terrence, yeah. let me bring you in. Yeah.
1: This, this, I think this is the real crux of the matter, okay? Mm. So we're in a society that if you look at black cradle to black grave statistics, so what Alison is alluding to, all the way across from disproportionate deaths of black babies, disproportionate deaths in uh, maternity care for black women, school exclusions, Um, disproportionate disciplinaries of black police officers, this is ironic isn't it, twice more likely to be disciplined than their white counterparts Um, lawyers twice more likely to be disciplined if you're black than your white counterparts, nurses you're twice more likely, or is it three times more likely to be promoted if you're white Um, and I can go on and on and on I, you know we can look at home ownership mm-hmm. we can look at everything from black cradle to black grave. so black home ownership is only 33% compared to white 66% now what i'm saying which goes back to what alison is saying is that the, the fabric of society that we live in is is structured in a racist way from employment housing um education healthcare criminal justice now it's important not to see policing in isolation to society. When you see policing yeah, uh, in the context of society, you will know actually policing is just more of the same. Now, the big difference with something like policing and healthcare is that if it goes wrong, it can cost you your life. <laughs> it can literally cost you your life.
2: We both, actually. So that's
1: the reason why when you look at cases in America like George Floyd, or you look at cases in this country like Daley Atkinson, where we see the deaths, uh, disproportionate deaths in police custody of black men, three times the national rate of white men. And you look at the disproportionate strip searching of our young people, 58%, it's, it's mad. All we're seeing is the same thing that flows throughout from black cradle to black grave. It's just that with the police, the police have got so much power that when it goes wrong, you could end up like Damian Atkinson or like Charles Q. And that is the, that's the difference. So, is police racist? Well, of course it is, because society is racist. Um, yeah, what, is, what, is, what is what is what is the consequence of racist policing? Well, it's it's the Dalian Atkinsons of this, of this world. The rest is the Charles Qs and the Charles Qs of this world. So, it, where there is more or much respons- much power requires much more responsibility yeah. because racist policing, the traumatizing effects of racist policing, it, it's immeasurable, and the the deaths in police custody, the traumatic effects of, of hugely disproportionate stop and search, is affecting the black community, and therefore. Yes, of course we can have this circular argument debate. Perennial. You've got
2: to get in the schools. You've got to get in the schools the same We've way they got, got re- the schools with You've you got to get in the schools.
1: We, we can have this, we can have this discussion every single week and mm. none of us will be, um, shorter words. Yeah. But what is required is, is for, because remember, let's face it, society, if society is racist, Black people back grave statistics confirm that. Why should society be sympathetic to black folk where we are at the brunt of police brutality and police misconduct? Mm. And that's why I come back to what I said earlier. We are, um, I start to say this, but we, we've got a little bit of traction through Sarah Everard. Mm. A little bit of traction, a little bit of a door open to get into that nightclub. And yeah. I'm, I'm sort of agrees, but we're
2: black women, we've never been working, welcome at that, that feminist table, that white yeah. feminist no. table. Well, we've never well, been I, welcome.
0: And, maybe and, maybe and I'll do a right, show on that. You're right. Sorry? I said maybe I'll do a show on that one. We, we, we're rapidly running out of time.
2: Right. But can I just say, you're right. Yeah. Terence, I can't disagree with anything you said, but you talk about Sarah Evans, it's a good example, but look at the coverage she got when only moments before in the, in the, in the history of time of us dealing with racism Two sisters maybe, were murdered. Yeah. yeah. And they never got any hardly any publicity until she was murdered.
1: Yeah, but right. but, but you are just proving the point, which is this, is that it takes the death of a white woman for Nicole Smorman and her sister Bibi and Biba to get the right and the the Asian lady the young teacher that was murdered as well. It takes unfortunately when white people are in pain and they feel injustice. We just have to try and make the most of that wave. And that's what's been happening. Uh, uh, It's just part of the same racism, but it's just a fact of life. But Mm -hmm. what I need, I would 100% love to see some form of psychometric testing in the police force. And and you know what? And you know what? No office is going to sign up for it. Victor. No officer is going to sign.
0: It. help me out with the psychometric
1: test. <laughs> it's like turkeys.
4: No, no. The, <laughs> the thing is, Terence, there is psychometric <laughs> testing. Yeah.
1: Okay, well tell me
4: about. So, it. So, so there is psychometric testing. So let's go back to cousins, and this is this is the key issue for me. Let's go back to Wayne Cousins. In the force in which he served initially, they knew about his behaviour. He moves to another force. They knew about his behaviour. He moves to the Met. They knew about his behaviour. So we can have all the psychometric testing in the world.
1: Sorry, Victor. Can I just let him finish, Terence? Can you just confirm that there actually is part of the recruitment now, psychometric testing?
4: Yes, there is. And there has been for years. You know, to to pick out behavioural patterns. You know, will someone react in a particular way to certain questions?
2: I mean, and group it? It? If the person who's marking it is racist too. He's not
1: going to be. be no, no can,
2: can I just say the what point? He's like, he's no, the point I'm trying to make is, you can
4: have the testing. It can sift out a significant group of people, but one or two still slips in because of the decision making. Wayne Cousin gets into the Met because of the decision-making, mm. not because they missed his bad behaviour, not because he failed a psychometric test. That was clear, even with the people that he's working. Uh, when have you ever heard of of a reporting of a police officer? I mean, what Wayne Cousin did was abominable. But when have you ever heard a journalist being able to say openly his nickname was Wayne the Rapist? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? So, when a journalist has that amount of information, and they can say it freely without fear of being prosecuted or, or for defamatory, that is serious. So, that's not your psychometric
2: testing, that is the leadership. Mm. Yes?
0: Mm. Well, I mean, certainly.
2: Don't pick up on it, though, because the leadership are cut from the same cloth where they're not going to pick up on it as readily as, as you and I would, as any as us
1: would. Because are uh,
2: constantly telling us that's not I,
1: racist, that's not something. I'd like to see go. a copy of the psychometric tests that they do. i obsessed like with that. See it because the, the <laughs> test is only as good as the test. It's only as good as and and so, those
4: can you I, are marking it? And the yeah, can I, it. Can I can, Stephen? Can I just one example? Okay, oh, very quick. We talked about Child Q. Okay, Child Q was strip searched over a year ago. Before it became public.
0: Okay. That's when it became today, public, Thank you the you Met for did listening not respond. See you again on
4: Let me finish, please. The Met only started responding when there was a public outcry. Yeah? So if you if you analyse that, the Met are probably thinking, there's nothing wrong with this. Those officers have been working for over a year. Oh, now, now it's been revealed because of a serious case review. Oh, all of a sudden, Oh, there's lots of people criticising us. So we must respond. So we suspend the officers. So is yeah. it the fact that but the Met they knew it was wrong?
2: wrong?
4: No, no. So, so is it the fact that the Met knew it was wrong or is it the fact that the Met were concerned about public concern, public criticism? So we go back to your psychometric testing. The testing can be good, but if they decide not to apply it in certain cases, they don't. if they don't, never held to account there isn't a public outcry, they continue with it. Yeah, I'm that's a, what yeah. we need to deal with I, I'm going to have a look at things, psychometric
1: what, testing, okay. yeah. uh, what, I'm, what I'm reading here now is it says here police psychometric assessment tests are a feature of many promotion processes for sergeant inspector chief inspector and I'm not looking at that level I'm looking at the bobby on the beat when he applied was it did and I have to check it out. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not talking about being promoted. I'm talking about entry level. The entry level tests. I can ass-
4: I can assure you, uh, Terence, that is part of the entry level test. There's a whole wave of different tests to get in. But so- sorry, I just have to. You, 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 look, we can have the test. It's the application. Yeah. It's the application. If the okay. test is showing and the application is. You have a you have a cutoff mark, and every single person who doesn't reach that standard gets excluded. Will be in a different position. Well, I can well, guarantee you that every single person that doesn't meet that criteria, some of them are allowed to get through because.
1: Well, let, let, well, 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 do you, do you all remember family, Ben? Family. Do you all remember Ben the neo-Nazi? You remember Ben?
4: Well,
1: the the, the, a guy who was six about yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, the neo Nazi that was part yeah. of the Police. Yeah. How the heck? How the heck did a neo-Nazi mm. pass that yeah. test if he had one? I mean, I mean, is, is he...
2: And he yeah, was in the yeah. WhatsApp group, wasn't he? Yeah. Huh? He was in the WhatsApp group
0: as well. Wasn't he? He's, he's in a WhatsApp was a group group the
1: WhatsApp group Ben, right? ben it's Ben's, a gone, Ben's gone to prison because he was a neo-Nazi.
0: Yeah, I get that. But, it's a one, but one, one might say in, any, every, you in, every, in every walk of life, in every profession, you are going to have people. No doubt there are lawyers who are neo-Nazis. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, but By see, the I'm law sure. of averages, there must be.
1: Stephen, it. it goes back to what I said earlier, which is this. The big difference with the police is the constitutionally conferred power, the power to use under, um, the, the, uh, under legislation, reasonable force which includes lethal force mm. so they're not the same as us no. they've got these statutory powers that we do not have and so that's we, why they, it's like, so important that's why we why didn't talk about
2: we didn't that's talk what about powers
1: what your rights are from you and me because we and, and i suppose america's I and mean, in fact no let's just focus on officers in this country that actually carry firearms mm. Legally, lawfully carry firearms, and actually can blow your blow your brains out if they've got reasonable grounds to do that. So let's face it, we're talking about different level of powers. Mm. That's why getting you know the likes of a neo-Nazi like Ben, how he managed, and and it goes back to what Alison says. What or was it? You um, think it could have been Alison? Why Ben thought the Metropolitan Police was the right fit for him. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? Well, that, that, that,
0: why, why, that why, may well... Why, why,
2: I thought why, you said it's a cycle not, that attracts not, certain other people.
1: Why not the Samaritans? Why not the yeah. Samaritans? Exactly. Well, why not?
0: Indeed. Why not the... Well, that, yeah.
1: so that may have
0: to the be the subject
1: of... There is something about the police that mm. attracts certain
2: people like them no can I can I say I'm gonna you're right you're right because I raised that point but it goes back to what Victor said when I sort of almost ridiculed it about taking an oath. it's not something about the police as a concept a police force is a wonderful thing I'm glad I live in England which has got a fairly civilized police force shock horror I said it but it is the people that are applying and the people that are applying are coming from a country That is 78% white, more than however many percent living outside of London, and they've just got this attitude that is racist. So the test, you can have all the tests because the person who's compiled the test and who's marking the test, chances are, given the ethnic makeup of this country, okay, we're not overtaking it, that the person can't see anything what's wrong. Which is why I raise the analogy of the two type, different types of rape until they are educated as to actually that's wrong too it's not going to change mm-hmm. that's what I well, think. Look, uh,
0: what we we've run way over time and i think we're going to have to do a part two um because i wanted to explore some other issues but you know on this subject of stop and search and you know the emphasis of this platform is always to do with the young people in our, in our society the young people in our communities Whilst we're still grappling with how we get the leadership to lead and to do this thing properly, fairly, what what advice do we give our young people, particularly who find themselves being detained for the purposes of stop and search? What 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 advice do we give them?
2: Tell them to switch the body worn camera on immediately. Yeah, mm-hmm. M- insist that's on. Stay calm. Stay polite. Don't be rude. Because if you are right. And they are wrong, and they've taken a in. You can go and get someone like Terence to deal with them. Simple. That's good or if, it's, keep it simple. Or if maybe you have got a bit of weed on you, don't worry about it. Don't make a fuss, yeah, and make it worse for yourself. And then I come along, get you're fine. Don't make it worse. But stay calm. Make sure the body-worn footage camera is on. Take down their numbers and their names. You don't have to, and they have to be able to say to you, and this reasonable suspicion thing has got way out of control, they have to be say to you what crime they think you've committed, what they think unless there's a section 60, but you've got to have to have a party because there's a whole separate topic as well when they can stop you you know more or less under the old sus laws, but stay calm, stay polite, make sure the cameras um switch on and and, and politely answer passerby, do you mind filming this for me That's the most basic information I give there's a whole checklist yeah. that's the most basic information I give. Terence might have better information given his line of work
0: anything Terence.
1: I just concur with what Alison said, which is, you, if you, you, I think the, the difference between because I mean, can I have a quick show of hands? How many of us have been stopped by the police on suspicion of drugs? And I,
2: she regretted it because you I can mean, imagine what my mouth was like.
1: Now, now I look know,
2: at this, such a mouthful. Look,
1: look, look how, look how representative this is. So the we have yeah, four black people, and Did the two said? lawyers. <laughs>
4: <laughs> can I, can I just, can I just have
3: add, it,
4: yeah. car. No, 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 well, well it, I've, I've been stopped on suspicion of being someone who's escaped from a prison. Well, I've your drugs.
1: Glamorous. Well, sun, no, 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 but, but, so, so, so three of us have been
2: stopped. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So we're making, we're, right.
1: Right, now, now, I can tell but you Steven now.
2: I mean, look at that face. Who's going to stop Stephen? No unless Steven, they want to say, you look lovely.
1: Stephen man has got off, man. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no. I'm confident, right, that I know for me anyway, I was stopped on suspicion of drugs in Catford. And that was just round the corner from where my client, who I settled his case, who I used to take to some school, by the way, so uh, a young man that used to take Sunday school gets stopped round the corner from where I was stopped on suspicion of drugs. So as a solicitor, I shouldn't really have that level of empathy with my clients, but I was I was able to have so much empathy. And that was a racist stop of a lawyer. Mm. I didn't follow my and, own
2: advice. I gave her a mouthful.
1: And, and wow. I tell you what, and I tell you what happened. Allison's given some advice that I would give to anyone that stopped in search. Yeah. I got out of my car politely. I was told by the officer, I believe that you are dealing drugs. And this is point blank, no embellishment. That's exactly what he said. And my response to him was, okay, what, what makes you think that? Now, as soon as he saw my demeanour, and this is where we have control, and some of the young yardmen then, they don't have that sort mm. of composure. So I'm able to look you straight in your eye and say, OK, what's what what's led to that belief? And as soon as I talk and as soon as any of us talk, immediately, know, it, Pascalsi, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it's a mission that's aborted. But unfortunately, a lot of our young people don't have that gravitas, don't have that ability to look an officer in the, in, in the eye because some of them are taught you know, back in the day, well, certainly we would talk not to, some of us, not to look directly at people in their faces. And because of, the, of this distrust between the black community and the police, mm. immediately, young people are going to not want to smile. Because I, I posted on LinkedIn the other day, why is it that, you know, young black men, when they are stopped, don't smile? And I gave a reason for that. And there was some justification for not smiling. However, Smiling is quite powerful if it's done mm. in the right way. Being yes, pleasant, indeed. and I think we alluded to that before. If you're able to manage, it's like football we call, we call it game management. If you are able in that moment to manage that situation, like a like a football manager, if a young black man is able to manage that situation, knowing mm. that it's already a risk of happening, try and manage the situation. In a way, that's going to mean that you're going to win and not lose. When I say lose, I mean not of your own volition, but lose because an officer has decided, okay, let's press more buttons. Let's see whether we can get him on assault PC. Uh, Let's see whether we can slap the handcuffs. And some of them slap the handcuffs on anyway. But let's see if he's tensing up. And we'll say, well, well, I'm putting on these handcuffs because I, you felt you tensing up, which yeah. is, is the reason to. I could feel the, and you know, you know, a black man's strong, no, actually, you know, that's a that's a joke. <laughs> that's
0: a joke. But no, no, but seriously, up, yeah, I the mean, I,
1: up, the, yeah. the frowning, the tensing up, the looking down, these are things that the police and 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 a certain accent. So if the if the young black men in particular are able to train themselves in that situation to say, hello, officer. Have have, have a script. Hello, officer, how can I assist you? That sounds advice.
2: Stephen, do you know what...
1: Hello, officer, how can I assist you?
2: You know what you should do a show on, Stephen? Let's do a show on the statistics. Well, in fact, forget the statistics. Yeah, forget that in terms of the stop and search because we know it's not happening. Let's look at the crime statistics. And the ethnicity for stabbings and shootings, yeah, and then the ratios per um head of population, because obviously we're in the minority, and see who's the real problem here. Yeah. Let's let's do a show where we don't use the word black and talk about black boys and us. Let's do that. That's what needs to be done because there's a lot of focus on us, because you know, we know what's going on. Yeah let's shift you you know your your story about now narr-
0: your 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 show about uh, changing narrative well some let's one
2: of our,
0: our viewers on one yeah. of our viewers is saying we need to all of us need to do a live event so i'll start working on that one yeah. um we, we're coming towards the end victor um we've had some really good advice from alison and morgan uh, from sorry from Allison and and terence um in, in respect of advice to our young people Just recently, Ricardo dos Santos was stopped uh, driving his Tesla motor car at 4 a.m. and a number of uniformed and armed officers um, stopped him. Was he right to keep driving five minutes until he thought he would stop in a safe place? Bearing in mind, he'd been stopped two times before by the police.
4: Yes, because I I think um, I said before that we wouldn't second guess a police officer's carrying out a stop and search on the street because they've got the information and we shouldn't second guess a member of the public who's been stopped and if he feels or felt that he wasn't safe stopping where they wanted to stop him and he's going to stop somewhere safe
0: mm-hmm.
4: for me that's a legitimate explanation and let me just go back to some of the things that Terence has said and Alison I agree mm-hmm. with your advice and the advice I'll give any young person stay calm comply to what the officer is saying But I will get to a position where I'll probably disagree about smiling at the officer and probably saying, how can I help you, officer? Because the first thing that they will think about, you are a cheeky little, yeah, yeah, you're trying to take the mick. I'm in control here, son. No, no, let me finish, Terrence. I'm in control here, son.
1: How you say it? Yeah? How you say it? Sorry? Is how you say it. You've got. I just to
2: say, I just say, okay, officer, you're stopping me. Put and your body on footage I'll
1: tell you now. i tell no, you, you now. When I, were, when I was stopped on suspicion Let's of drug, yeah. When i sorry. When I was stopped on suspicion of drug dealing, that's the approach that I took.
4: Yeah. Terrence Terence, let me make a let me make a distinction. You are a mature man with experience. He is a 16, 18 year old. The power difference. The power difference is massive. It
1: will massive. be coached. Yeah. Wait a second. No, no, see, I He will be coached. He will be he will be taught. He will have that talk. Stevens have a talk with his boys. He will be taught by his parents.
2: Yeah. Well I, his parents. Me. What I think what if he did care? What if he's a displaced child? What if his home is 16? What if I his really. parents don't give a toss? What <laughs> if his parents say to really? him, "Any of do about their BP Absolutely. and their yeah. ER you know and all that? Come where on, it, don't be naive.
1: Where, where it is possible, yeah, you can't tell me that we we don't talk to our boys, we don't talk to our girls. Because you we talk to
2: yours. Where, I yeah. didn't I didn't know my dad till I was 21. Who was talking to me? Come on.
1: Yes, yeah, no, no, no. no. Allison, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting um, people that don't have this sort of parents in their lives. A lot can, of people It, don't. it can be, it can be and a lot parent...
2: of parents are tired. And a lot Sorry, of parents you, don't relate you, to their children. Alison. A lot of parents are doing a good job. And they come from different cultures and their children Alison. are now... But, but,
0: in you, know, but you know, you know, Alison, Alison. It can be a
1: mentor. Alison. It can be a mentor, oh. it can be guardian. It can be anybody. It can be uncle. It can yeah. be an auntie. Because remember, it takes a village to raise a child. I agree. It can, yeah. It can be anyone in a position... Where they are either mentoring or they're coming into youth workers, coming into contact with young people, any adult. Our, unfortunately, our young people need more coaching than white young people. Thank you. you? Terence, I I, I agree with that. Let me
0: just, yeah, let me just finish on this.
4: Just quickly, let me just add a couple of things. Yes, absolutely. We can talk to them. When the police officer approached you, he told you, I'm stopping you because I'm going to search you for drugs. If you're a 16, 18-year-old, they're not having that conversation with you. You've been dragged out of the car. Mm. And you're, you've probably been stopped three, four times that week. And you're thinking, oh, my stress level is just through the roof. I just want to go home. What have I done wrong? Mm-hmm. And the officer is mm-hmm. saying to you, mm-hmm. I'm asking you, and you're saying, I'm keeping quiet because you safe. Because the last time I said something, that was it. My car was strip searched. Let I was taken take in. Me, so I, I'm you. Going to say, I'm saying, so right.
2: You're both right. You're, you're, both, in. In
1: you're both right. Yeah. Let me, let me give you a good example of what I mean. Okay. There was a video during the rounds uh, of a young, uh, delivery driver, rider, a black boy stopped somewhere in London. I, I never got to the bottom of where, uh, cause I actually wanted to make a complaint about this. So. He was stopped because he was on his phone at the traffic light. Did any of you see this?
0: No. no.
1: I'll, I'll, put, I'll send you the link from LinkedIn because I posted it on LinkedIn. And he got a lot, lots of responses. Um, and this young man, you know what he did? He simply said, okay. He had a, a just a blank look on his face, no frown. He just was fully compliant. He got searched and he got searched as if, oh, this is, a, and this is the sad part. Oh, this is just routine for me. He got searched and he was being filmed by um, a, 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 probably an elderly, senior black man was filming and he was doing commentary on that. And this young man just, it was as if he was watching, just in his living room watching a movie. He was that calm. I'm like, what? How? How the heck did he remain so calm? And he you was. Know, hang
2: man. on, hang on. He was on his phone. He was committing an offence. No one's saying that because you're black, you should be stopped.
1: No, he no, no. What's the argument? No, no, no. What yeah, what a I'm better saying.
2: example would be someone who hadn't done anything. No, no, no. No,
1: what, no, no, no. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, whether you've done something wrong or not, because remember. Stop and search isn't just about whether you've got something on you; it's whether it escalates to use of force. Yeah. So, for instance, George Floyd may have done something wrong, yeah, but it's not so much whether he did anything wrong; it's where, what what happens with use of force. Mm. So, it's very crucial whether you've done something wrong or not. To still employ the same. Yeah. It's the, the advice doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If, mm. because what we're saying. If you've done something wrong, run off. No, no, no. Mm. The, the advice is whether you've done something wrong or whether you've done nothing wrong, there is still a way. Because if you've got a little bit of weed on you, it could escalate to a violent confrontation. Yeah. And we still want to preserve the life. Just the people, young people who may have. Mm. Let's say, for instance, Child Q did have a bit of weed on her. Yeah, let's say she did have. It still, it still doesn't, in my view, warrant what happened to her. No, it doesn't. But, but what yeah. we're saying is, is that to minimise the risk to our young black people, you have to do the police talk. You have to go. Yeah. You have to say to the youth workers and and community leaders, say, look, until this changes, it's about self-preservation. Yeah. And Absolutely. Self-preservation means acting like this young man did. Because I didn't think if if you're on your phone, that's not, that's not cause for a search. Searching for what? How how, how does being on your phone at traffic be a 723 drug search? That was the problem. That was the problem there. It doesn't equal being on your phone is, oh, get off your phone, behave yourself. He gets off his phone, he's on his way. But in that video, he was on his phone, he got stopped. How does it? change
2: from more
1: minding carelessly to oh we're going to stop you for drugs and the boy's got his delivery back on his back
0: yeah
1: and and like I said in that in that example he was perfect I mean well well perhaps he should have said well I'm not happy or whatever but he kept totally silent he was totally compliant Mm. And he went on his way. There wasn't uh, yeah. he wasn't on the ground with being, you know, being kneeled on. It wasn't escalated to, oh, he assaulted me and therefore let's get him a criminal record, which often happens yeah. Yeah. to justify the use of force they say, no, actually you assaulted me.
0: Yeah. Well look, I we we have gone right. way over time today. Um but no, it's an important topic. Uh, and it's one that sadly we keep revisiting. I remember one of the very first shows on Life in Focus um, with Alison and Terence, we looked at Stop and Search and here we are again over a year later looking at it again still. And I think the advice that each of you give, Victor, Alison and Terence, is sage advice to our young people. Stay calm. Stay calm. Respond to the police officer until we get this thing sorted out. I think it stems from leadership. I've talked about root and branch reform in order to encourage the right kind of recruitment, the right kind of officers from all sections of our community to police the community, particularly in London, which is diverse. And I call upon all of the professionals like Terence, Alison, Victor, myself to keep doing our part to educate our young people about stop and search, for them to know their rights, for them to know how to behave with stop and search. Because you know what? I don't agree with Lawrence Taylor when he says, it's absolutely right that police focus where the harm exists. We're not targeting people. We're focusing on our intelligence-led policing. Because in so many cases, I've not seen intelligent-led policing. I've seen the over-policing of a certain section of the community. Our young people being strip-searched, often being released without any further action or charge. That must stop. So I want to thank Victor Elisa. I want to thank Alison Morgan. I want to thank Terence Channer. Uh, It's been a very insightful show, a passionate show as I knew it would be. I want to thank also Donna Murray-Turner, who sadly dropped off uh, with internet issues. But we will return to this. I know we will. And we will look at it in more depth, trying to identify proper solutions. And hopefully someone in the Met is listening. It'd be great if Sir Mark Rowley was listening, because we need to stop having these conversations. But for now, I want to thank all of my viewers for watching Life in Focus. I want to thank my guests. Our next week's show... I'm going to be talking to two uh, judges, two black judges sitting in the criminal court uh, as recorders. I want to find out about their experiences. I want to find out about the motivation for becoming a judge and hopefully to encourage others. But for now, thank you so much for watching. I'm Stephen Akinsanya, barrister at Great James Street Chambers, and I will see you all next time. Thank you for watching.
2: Thank you.
0: that's our show for today everyone thank you for listening and see you again on life in focus